Charles Water Street is a defence barrister that's been involved in some of the most high-profile legal cases in Australia. The ABC TV series Rake, the character is based on Charles himself, a lovable rogue that everyone loves that always gets the win. Charles Water Street, welcome to the stick-up. Charlie Water Street, welcome to the stick-up. Thank you very much. Mate, tell us a little bit, we always sort of go through the basic questions. Tell us about your upbringing, how, how, where'd you grow up and what was it like? I was born in a manger near Bethlehem. No, no, <laughs> sorry, that's a disguise. Now, I was born in Albury, the centre of the known world, and I was uh, in a working-class pub. Your parents were Publicans, in, weren't they? Yeah, Publicans and Pharisees. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we had been in the pub for a hundred years in my family yeah. until I went to the bar, but it was a long one. <laughs> All right. As you're growing up, who were your role models? Um, <laughs> my father was my role model. He was a sportsman, played for the Wallabies. Uh, he was a great swimmer. And as I ultimately learned at seven when a boy whispered to me in the play yard, my mum says he's a playboy, talking to my father. Yeah. I was so thrilled. <laughs> and uh, he was he owned racehorses. He had a SP at the pub, mm. and we used to pay the coppers off at Christmas with a carton of beer mm. put into Gee, the boot cheap. of their car. The, well, the police car, which was amazing. Yeah, well, the coppers were very cheap in them days. Oh, no, they used to do the Sunday shift because yeah. we weren't allowed to open on Sunday. Yeah. But if we put a carton of beer in the boot, then they even poured the beers. They were behind the barn. <laughs> That's why I'm very understanding of police corruption. getting a little, bit of co a little bit of corruption. A little bit of corruption goes a long way. No, but it? it's <laughs> when the laws are bad, mm. it, it invites a little bit of corruption to make it normal, yeah. you know, to make it social. Yeah, right. You know, what were your dreams and aspirations growing up? What did you want to be? Like and nothing like law. Uh, I, I certainly hated law from observation. My f the first time I went into a court was at 10 with my cousin, who was also 10. I'd never heard of a court. Mm. Walked into the Albury local court and my father was up mm. for a licensing matter. He was represented by the local town drunk but who was the only one in Albury with a licence, yeah. Harry Flood. He, I, I guess his name is dead now, so yeah. Flood for Water Street. Yeah. And he was pleading to the magistrate, uh, but Mr Water Street didn't know it was an offence to open at ten past ten in the evening. And the magistrate said, um, he said, but uh, Mr Flood, he's been up here 19 times and been convicted <laughs> 16. You say he didn't know. And I, I thought then that my father needed someone in the family that would do well. And he ran a TAB, not mm. a TAB, he ran the an start, SP before TAB. Yeah. And uh, no, he didn't have a house of real repute. <laughs> but that's about all we didn't have. What was what was like, what was their home life like, mate, was it? Unfortunate. Uh, we, I had five, five of us, four siblings mm. and me, and we came from an Irish background where I had 20 aunties <laughs> so that I never had... Uh, uh, was there any nuns amongst the mix normally? When no, you I went to the nuns. Yeah. They were, they, my uh, grandparents were, you know, begging that I'd become a priest. Okay. Later in life, I went for a weekend to the Strathfield Christian Brothers uh, vocation home for a weekend because of the food. But it was dreadful. And uh, but at at, uh, at Waverley College, where I was a boarder, mm. um, I went there five years, and not one 
father touched me or a priest touched me, so I can't make a claim. Very uncommon, isn't it? Like you, but I you... was physically abused by you know straps and yeah, yeah. But I was never touched, as far as I can recall. But it could come back that memory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's uh, often it's suppressed, but yeah, it often does, especially for one hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now, do you have any? Was, were you a very sporting type of kid, or? Now, as I said, my father was a natural sport, uh, but I was ungainly. I was like a giraffe, and I, I, I loved the idea of sport, but I got a trophy when I was at Waverley College on my Bishop Henske Memorial Scholarship for Religious Knowledge, <laughs> and I got a big trophy one year for best and fairest of the 13 Gs, at Waverley. What's the third in G? That's A, B, C, D, E, F. F, G. G. And and my father laughed because it was so down the track. Yeah. But I wasn't a natural sportsman. I loved tennis. Yeah. And, uh, but I desired to be better, but I've got that wrong, I've got my mother's athletic ability, which means I've got uh, uh, flat feet. Was there an expectation of you growing up to be like your father, do you think? Like, you know, often that's the case of... Yes, no, his father was a publican and his father before that, his father before that were publicans. Um, But I mean from a a sporting point of view. Oh, I desired to be my father, but I never had the balls or the feet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the tennis balls. But the... uh, uh, I aspired to it, but I just couldn't uh, have the gifts. In fact... Uh, when my son was born and the doctor gave him 10 out of 10, my, his, my then wife uh, sort of cried because he had my feet, flat feet, so he couldn't be a you know, top athlete. In fact, yeah. he could have played for satellite tour, but the flat feet, which I gave him, besides being 6'5", um, meant he could never play A grade. You talk about how, like Waverley College, so you moved from Albury to Waverley College? Yes, I was in, uh, the nuns had me hostage for three years, then the Christian Brothers had me hostage for another five, then I got day release uh, to go to Waverley College, which was a boarding school in Sydney. My father Prestigious too, I might add. Not then. No. It was all farmers, boys, you know, bad farmers. It was actually boys who couldn't get into St. Joseph's. Yeah. St. Joe's is like a rugby union school. Is that yeah, we were a rugby union school, but, you know, we were good, in, but we were in two grades. Sydney is divided between mm. the GPS, the greater public schools, mm. Mm. and the CHS, which are, you know, down market combined high schools. So yeah. we were sort of, you know. What would have been uh, elite? Uh, would have been King, was King's College the elite college? Yeah, they were in the GPS. So yeah. we had the King's College, uh, Cranbrook, because yeah. they were all you know, gay, and we had uh, Shaw, Kings, those yeah. sorts of schools, whereas Waverley were in the second grade. In the, work, in the, work, in the work I do at Voice of a Survivor, we get a lot out of a lot of them schools, a lot of abuse. Uh, in the GPS that, schools? Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, know. no, well, that's how they did so well because yeah. of the uh, G-up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, yeah. but it's it's everywhere. But not in Waverley College, which was unusual because we yeah. slept 40 in a room. 
It was like, was it? So you're talking forty. You're talking dormitory styles, yeah. Yeah, forty in a room. How was that? Like, was there bullying? Like, was there a lot of bullying or standover? And... Uh, by the brothers? Yeah, no, or by the other kids. Often oh, the yes. Game. I every I had a particular bully who used to punch me in the arm, and of course those days I was a willow, you know, a little mm. bit of a weaky, mm. and he punched me in the arm virtually every day. So my arm was completely black and blue, mm. uh, you know, and it was just that he picked me, but then I I mimicked a sense of humour, so I found my way to get around being bullied mm. because all the heroes at school were those who played rugby and cricket yeah. and they they actually got meat on Saturdays before the game. Mm. We had to eat baked beans. Mm. Um, but there was a, a little bit of bullying, but it wasn't that bad. Okay. And how were you – what was the treatment like by the – I guess, what's the dorm masters and that sort oh, of Oh, that was, we had a dorm masters of 40 boys. Yeah. So when the lights went out at 10 o'clock, all you could hear was the shaking of 40 beds. <laughs> and in the morning, and the smell of, masturbation, the, I guess. Yeah, the smell of White King in the morning, <laughs> you know, that highly chlorinated. <laughs> but we did have a photograph of that Christine Keeler, which we passed around at, <laughs> had a torch because um, we weren't gay you know, <laughs> until later. <laughs> All right. So you go through King's College. Now, no, no, Waverley College. Wait, wait, sorry, Waverley College. But <clears throat> going through there, what sort of made you look at the law as, uh, as a career? I didn't. I, mm. I, got a scholar, I got a Commonwealth scholarship for my first year. Mm. And you've got three two, degrees, haven't you? You've got yeah, yeah, I've been, I've had, I'm getting the three degrees now by the sound of it. <laughs> but I've got, <laughs> I was too young to do the medicine. Yeah, so yeah. I had to repeat school. Yeah. And then I repeated uh, school. And then, of course, in the 60s, mm. I revolted against medicine, which I was mm. naturally good at. I yeah. was first in the state in physics and that sort of thing, uh, mm. name dropping and degree mm. dropping. But then I rev revolted against what I was mm. and did law. I tried to do law, but I was too young for law, so I had to do arts law. Yeah. And so I would have been in medicine at 15, so I was 16. Wow, you would have been, like, yeah. you were... You, you would have qualified to do medicine at Yeah, 15. I did qualify. Yeah? yeah, I got a scholarship to do medicine, which I really loved later in life because yeah. I was a natural, you know, with all due respect to me, yeah. a natural uh, physicist, chemist, mathematician, yeah. and I loved the sciences and yeah. I, I'm good at it, yeah, which yeah. I used in law. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I say I mean humbly. I am. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Major, and, and, and so where did it start? So you left Waverley, off to Sydney Uni. What was that? And that, and, and that oh, is a we, prestigious university. It was a horrible uh, introduction. I went to St John's College, which was in the old term used the fresher bash, that is hazing. So the first year I was there, I was dropped nude in a forest near Wollongong and you had to get home. You know, actually you had to steal laundry off the line and then hitchhike What back. was that, like an introduction to the college? Yeah, it was horrible. And then one day we were put on a naked a block of ice and pushed around the hall. And then another day, and another That's day I was it. shot at twice because on St Patrick's Day we were made to go out with green paint and paint the PAR out of no parking. So it read no king. 
<laughs> so I was doing that, you know, we'd done a few successful loads and uh, sort of poles and then two, two guards shot two bullets at me and I hit the ground and, uh, and I knew when I hit the ground that they were in more trouble than me. After that, they took their guns off them. How was the transition from country kid to a city kid? Like you're talking, when you get up that, you get in the city, you get into Waverley and that sort of thing, you become basically a city slicker, don't you? Yeah, but you don't notice it at the time. No. You just adapt. You know, when I was young, I, I loved uh, the country. I used to shoot rabbits and thousands mm. of galahs and, you know, fish mm. and that sort of thing. So I didn't give it any thought. I just... Came. Got up there and adapted, yeah. Just a, yeah, I wouldn't have known what I was adapting to. So, but, what was your like for you that transition? You go okay, you, you you leave these and then you go into Sydney University. I used to I used to live in Glebe and I used to love walking through Sydney University and oh, it's a, in those days it was glorious because the I I I don't think I went to a lecture for you know four or five years mm. uh, because you only had lectures and then at the end of the year you had a hundred percent exam and luckily mm. I had a good memory. Mm. So for example in English I didn't read a book but I read the dust cover of mm. books mm. and I knew a poem called The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So if we did The Mayor of Casterbridge, a great book I hadn't read, I'd read the uh, dust cover and then say, my God, the Mayor of Casterbridge reminds me of The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and then just go on. But in those days Every exam was 100%. You didn't have, you know... Uh, you, had to, you, had to, you had to pass with 100%, is No, that? no, you had to... Uh, you do one exam at the end of the year, mm. which was worth 100%. Mm. These days, you have to do an exam and papers every couple mm. of weeks. Yeah. But so in my day, you didn't attend uh, lectures. In fact, one year, when I was doing commercial law too... I uh, went to do the 100% exam in November mm. and they didn't have a seat for me. Mm. And I said, why? And they said, well, we called you in July and you weren't here. So I had to get onto the sort of science bench and uh, do the exam, you know, 20 minutes late. Did you complete three degrees? No, I did two. Okay, all right. Now... Arts and law. So what, what became the attraction to law? Because... You talk about not being a fighter as a kid, and I think one of the traits of a good lawyer is that fighting instinct. I've got a very strange personality, as anyone who knows me says, and that is I'm placid, completely placid outside court. I go into court. I'm I, 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 great. I'm not great. I'm very competitive. I didn't know I had that in mm. me, So I'd, and I'm fighting for other people. Mm. So I was a tiger, but I wasn't a bully type of mm. tiger like you may remember Pat Costello. I uh, love Pat. And the, yeah, and those type of uh, people who shouted and, you know, I was terrified in the court, let alone the policeman. Mm. But I was not. I was placid outside court. And inside court, I had an unnatural. It was just instant. You, you were known for your flamboyance in court. I would never call that until you know you read a newspaper and you're flamboyant. Mm. I thought I was, you know. Yeah, but you were like you and you know Pat Costello were characters of the court too. I, I'll tell you what it is: is that I really hated law, mm. um, uh, like when I was studying it. And luckily enough, when I left, I became a lecturer at New South Wales. Uni, mm. and I did that. You were teaching there. Yeah, you were I was teaching, teaching yeah. yeah. And that was really fun. 
Yeah. I like that a lot, especially we. this will come to haunt me because I taught for a couple of years the undergraduates. Mm. Then I called, taught the graduates, which were... Uh, had already got a degree, and they were older than me. Yeah, the girls were older sure. than me, and that was. Did you involved? Who were some of the names? That, like, I mean, lawyers in those days were rock stars. Not, and, you didn't think? No, no, I think uh, not. Although we were a bit like rock stars when I came to the bar. That mm. is, you'd uh, perform all day and then drink all night. Yeah, yeah. But Hard there is a tendency when you come out of court to get. High, you're still on a high, yeah. and you want to maintain the high, mm. and that's the only resemblance of rock star. There were no that? groupies, but that feeling, like I've heard, uh, what's his name, Kirby, Michael Kirby, talks in your Australian story about. He said you provide. It was the best summing up he'd ever heard when you done the Oscar perform when you the Oscar award. Yes, no, that was a very good. That was a funny case because. Can you give us a rundown on how that went down? Yeah, no, it was a, a case where the, um, the the perpetrators, the Australian gang, were involved in importation about twenty fifteen years before, and they had a mud map. Mm. So when where they went up the river in the north coast. I think I know the person yeah. involved. So in they this. got the new mm. mud map, the old twenty year old mm. mud map, and used it again for cocaine this mm. time. The old time it was hash oil mm. or something like that. And the idea was to get a boat, um, come to Australia over the Pacific Ocean, and then put it in this old mud map. Mm. But unfortunately, uh, they got scared and put the 120 kilos in a big plastic bag and put it on the bottom of the sea and so oh, the coat reason. never made it. Yeah. And then when it came here, some of the Colombians on board uh, went out and showed the police <coughs> exactly where it was and I think they got it wrong. <laughs> I really do. They tried their best. And is that where the, is that where the summing up with the Yes, Oscar what was? happened was uh, there were about five uh, accused in that, mm. you know. Uh, I think we had lunch with one the other day. Yeah, we did. I dare not say his name because he's yeah, very yeah, low sure. profile. Yeah, for sure. But he is um, – and one – my client was a hitman from uh, Melbourne mm. and there were various uh, presentations of, you know, old-time Sydney – uh, <coughs> uh, Knockabout, popular, uh, you know, colourful racing <laughs> identities, and it was very funny because it was like a band of musicians. This is the last tour, you know. We're we're sixty. We're getting on. We put the we, band back together for the last exactly time. Exactly right. And so uh, the boat came here, and the uh, drugs unfortunately went overboard. Mm. So it was a conspiracy to import. Drugs, but mm. we re I argued we really didn't import them because we dumped them at uh, near Fiji at uh, 15 degrees off uh, Fiji and 35 mm. the other way. <laughs> but apparently they never found them and apparently mm. there's a lot of very frenzied sharks mm. off <laughs> Fiji. <laughs> and some uh, very powder-happy Fijian Yeah, no, they're very, you know, they don't eat. They stay <laughs> up all night, <laughs> party. So yeah. can you talk about so in the in the summing up in the summing up because the, the, I love that the way Kirby described that was like romantic how he described that, how you'd done the summing up to the jury with the Oscar presentation. Yes, no, no, it was quite I, you know it was a 
bit daring. Can you recite that? You think? Yes, oh, I gave it away because someone's doing a documentary, and mm. that was. A, they said, "Well, is there anything else in your life?" So I had to give them a uh, mm. the transcript someone made up yeah. after it. But the the point was that the police there were say twenty police, mm. and they'd all prepared statements of you know fifteen pages each, mm. but they read identically, you know, these are supposed yeah. to be statements that are yeah. prepared independently. Yeah. And so they read identically except for some minor changes like the sea was very uh, big and they changed it. The sea was very drafty mm. and Large. then they'd go on, uh, mm. you know, changing a word or there yeah. to pretend. Yeah. So that's why someone got the best adapted screenplay yeah. from another source. Yeah. So all the police had given versions very much the same but they had attempted to change a word here or there. So that's why I gave it an adapted version. And uh, one of the Colombians gave evidence. And so he got the best actor. Because yeah. he, he got the best actor award, the best Oscar. Very, very, Colombians are very good looking. Mm. And so he got the best actor award. A screenwriter? You got a script yeah, writer? No, well, the screenwriter was the original policeman that wrote <laughs> the only. There's only and one. And you actually of presented many awards, is yes, that correct? Yes. In the court. Uh, yeah. And, of course, we, we, you know, it was not just actors and screenwriters. It was lighting yeah. and sound effects because <laughs> the Colombians, when they Colombians came here, they weren't arrested immediately mm. and they booked into a motel which was bugged. And all mm. you could hear in the motel was a bit of romantic uh, Spanish and... <laughs> and, of course, I put to these young Colombians that they had very bad colds, which they said, but there's sound. <laughs> so I don't think the 120 went all the way down. No. Some of it was kept for safekeeping. Fringe benefits of the yeah. job. Mm. Importation. Well, you got nowhere to draw the line. Yeah. Which they did a lot in that motel. But everything was bugged in that, in that case, which was unfortunate. But it was interesting because he had a satellite uh, phone on the board, the captain mm. and mm. the Colombians on board the SS Desire, <laughs> and they actually, when we subpoenaed all... Was the that the actual name of the boat? Yes. Or are you making that no, up? No, no. <laughs> and uh, when they, they had a satellite phone and when they were coming near Australia, they go, you know, we're under the... Blood, uh, we're coming, you know, near Fiji. Uh, OK, over and out. And then, when we subpoenaed all the documents, Customs accidentally gave us a piece of paper which quoted all the satellite phone calls. Hmm. Now, no one in the world knew that Five Eyes, uh, you know, all the intelligence community, New Zealand, hmm. Australia, US, had intercepted phones, hmm. including you know, overseas calls, mm. as we called it when I was growing up, uh, satellite calls, and it was the world didn't know. Mm. So we, uh, we wanted to quote these um, conversations to say that uh, obviously it was a fix-up and, and uh, we weren't allowed to let... We weren't well, allowed that was to leg it. What was the legalities on that? Were they allowed to be doing no. that? No, no. And that, so, uh, yeah, technic a technic it, there was yeah, a technicality Yeah, and that's there. why we did it. Mm. And... You'll, you know, you may remember that in the States they were using Pfizer courts to bug everyone. Mm. And I think it was uh, Julian, the great Julian Assange mm. uh, who explained that uh, all the phone calls, 
in America and all overseas calls from America, in and out of America. So all the terrors, yeah. you know, any call from the Middle East, every, every phone call was made. Right. And I mean, around the world, every mobile phone was being picked up. And then well, they had AI program? sorting it out for buzzwords. Oh, yeah, buzzwords, So yeah. if you use the word rug, mm. like a code word, mm. um, you know, Persian AI. rugs, yeah. Yeah, the early days yeah. they used to word ve- use you know, the mm. word rugs as a very sophisticated yeah. code. No one has ever got <laughs> sophisticated code. Yeah, we got a hundred, you know, rugs. We got a hundred rugs. Now it's I'll just fly them in. Fly yeah, them yeah. in. Wow, man. Who like tell me some of the sort of lawyers like that you were impressed by, and you you know obviously you know you start. It's like any you play football as a footballer in the game that you thought, geez, I'd like to be like him. Who well, not me. Remember, I I didn't like law. For a long time, uh, but I was attracted back to the bar. Well, first time in the bar when uh, some. What's that like to. So, were you ever a practicing solicitor? No, no, no. I couldn't do that. No. No, I went, went straight, straight to, to the, the bar. Yeah. So, straight to the barrister, you went straight. Yeah. A lot of people, there's a lot of lawyers do a little bit of time as a solicitor these days and then. Yeah, no, but they, they, then they get off for good behaviour, but <laughs> I couldn't be a solicitor to save myself. Yeah. Uh, some people say, couldn't be a barrister to save myself. But I went straight to the bar, yeah. but and I did a lot of, uh, you know, gay Mardi Gras arrests. Yeah, I was reading that. Yeah. A lot of Aboriginal. Because there was once upon a time it was gay to be, it was illegal to be homose- to be a homosexual. Well, it? it still is in some quarters. Yeah, you yeah. know that Tasmania. Yeah, yeah, Tasmania yeah. prison <laughs> out of reach, oh, but not in Parliament House. No, <laughs> it's compulsory in some of the <laughs> floors. <laughs> <laughs> but I did a lot of that uh, civil liberties type of work, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know the um, uh, and and I remember very much uh, the first couple of Mardi Gras where yeah. we were you know well they were all illegal to that march was illegal, illegal yeah back the then. march was illegal and the buggery was illegal yeah, and yeah. in in Victoria no in Tasmania it still was when yeah. when I first went down there as a barrister yeah. So what, where have you... But practiced? incest was legal. It's a, in Tasmania, yeah. Yeah, it was a strange... It was supported. It was actually strange. celebrated. Fuck, it's hi to all the Tasmanians. Well, there's nothing much I know to do. There's yeah. nothing else to do. No, except for throw rocks at each other. It's very family. You know, I look, I look at people like yourself and Pat Costello, and, and do you think, like, even Pat to a degree... And I remember Pat... The story of Pat pulling out a teapot and he had a witness in the box. No, he was very, very flamboyant, yeah, and, as you and, put it. He was a, a natural advocate and, uh, you know, he looked like a freckled Australian, red-headed fellow who, uh, you know, had a quick temper. But he's very funny. Ian and Saxon. he was very attracted to, you know, lawyer, uh, juries loved him. Yeah. And he had a, you know, he um, he partied a little bit, but... He got so he was very efficient, and he certainly got juries on side. And judges who hated him, particular judges in the district court, mm. and I came across this judge myself, who remained nameless, but it's a four-letter word. Okay. And the first one's Des. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he, I did a case with me when I first met my wife, mm. and I was, you know, uh, in Martin Place when the jury came back in, you know. In the Macquarie uh, Gardens, uh, no, they went in the Macquarie Gardens anyway. They were up there, and I rushed into court with my 
clothes on, you know, you know robes, robes, yeah. robes. And yeah. the jury was sitting there alone. The jabar, isn't it? The jabar? Yeah, 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 you know, the, yeah. you wear a jabot, which is the white yeah. thing, a black robe, yeah. a wig. What do you and think high of that? Heels. What do you think? Of I, <laughs> oh, no, that's after court. After but no, I thought it was so medieval, right? Yeah. But then I warmed to it because, for me personally, mm. it was a way of, you know, well, I'm set for this. I can't, you know, use the F and C words. Uh, but that didn't prevent you. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, yeah, but w I said fish. <laughs> and I told the juries very early what fish meant. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, but I, I'm, I was strangely didn't mind it. But you know whose wig I had? I never bought one item of Barrister's oh, from, from Macquarie Street, isn't there a famous Yeah, there is, but I never... I got Lionel Murphy's wig because wow. I represented him uh, when... <laughs> he would have uh, needed a good barrister. He, he did, but it was... There were 28 sort of charges against him. No, we're talking him. about Lionel... Lionel Murphy was a crap uh, judge, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was judge. a High Court judge. High Court judge, yeah. And he was Attorney General. He was a very charismatic man for an ugly guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he was fabulous, you know, uh, and he, all his law is... Uh, came to be recognised, you so know. So there's that p uh, picture of him, Nick Paldos, and Robert Trimbo. No, Trimbot. that's... No, that's uh, the magistrate. Judge? Who was that? I forget. Mark... Uh, Farquhar. Oh, Marley Farquhar. Yeah, Marley no, Lionel never had uh, anything to do with the races, but, you know, talk about the Venus room. That's <laughs> a different kettle of fish. <laughs> now, he didn't fancy the GGs. No, no Perse Galea would have been a great friend of his. Uh, Perse... I went to Perse's... Perse's was... Uh, son went to Waverley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Gillier, first class guy. Loved him, man. He I met him in jail, he, one of the nicest he, guys I've ever met in my he life. He went to jail because he wouldn't answer, at he wouldn't world give world. in his mates at ICAT. Yeah. Before like Gladys Pitberadiclian. Wasn't it Wood, Wood World Commission? I was, at, I was at Long Bay with uh, Bruce and he just wouldn't give evidence. He served two years. Yeah, I know, for just not giving evidence. What That's a, a Waverley guy. Yeah, yeah. Waverley College got. Good principal. He was a lovely guy. Purse, when I when I was doing university. And no, he the, had the illegal gambling. Yes, I went there. Yeah. And uh, I went there and Purse would sit on a very high chair you know, mm. over the baccarat table. Mm. And he was very lordly. And I, I, while I was there, some guy came up and said, Purse, would you take a check? And Purse clipped him over the ears and said, I'd never take a check. Mm. And the, one day the police raided it. And everyone then, you know, pushed up the billiard tables and, and hid under them. Mm. And there was a little bit of procedure, like you get rid of the cards, turn the tables over. Mm. And, uh, but some people got arrested. But on Monday morning when they read out the names of the defendants, there were, seemed to be a lot of Bing Crosbys, <laughs> Donald Ducks, Daffy Duck. And it was funny. And yeah. half of them didn't turn yeah. up to answer to yeah, their yeah. mail. That Duffy Duck was a very re regular sort of offender. <laughs> There's a warrant out for him. I love those characters. Like, uh, they make them like that Bumper Farrell, the coppers in yes, the day. Yes, I know. But there was a very good one because Purse's place was, you know, you never get a piece of toast at Purse's. He was yeah. very... But then the uh, 33 Club started where you got toasted cheese and tomato sandwiches okay, okay. and all you could drink. The advent of the future casinos. 
Yeah, no, I, I saw Neville Rand's people up there. It was who's who. And it was Free Grog and it was a wonderful place. And, in fact, who's who were there. Yeah. Gambling was compulsory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, man, just what's some of that? Like, because we can talk about that around the record. What's some of the most fascinating court cases you've been involved in, trials in particular? I was very lucky to do whatever I did there. Mm. Um, I started off, when I left uni to do my first case, I did it for the family of Bartons. Mm. They were in uh, stock business mm. and they... In cattle it, stock? Is that what no, you're no. Uh, oh, stocks and shares? Yeah, stocks and shares and gold mines, that yeah. sort of thing. And they did a deal with uh, the late Sir... Uh, and he ran answered. What's his name? Bob Sir Peter Abels. Okay, Peter. So Sir Peter Abels had a his front man called Bella Chaday, and I apologise for naming them because they're under. It's on, it's on public children. record, don't it? Yeah. Oh, it's on public record. Yeah, yeah. But Bella Chaday was a front for Sir Peter, and the Bartons were part. You know, not they were innocent. But they took a hundred million down to Paraguay, where there's no. Well, you're talking a hundred million in what year? Uh, 1978. So it's like three, five billion now, maybe? Oh, yes. But they came back voluntarily, unlike Christopher Skase, and uh, faced the music. So that was the first case I did. And they were tied up in courts for about seven years, much to the delight of the lawyers. And they ended up with none of the 100 million. And Mm. they defended themselves, but they never went to jail. And there's very interesting stories about that if you wanted to hear them. Yeah. Um, because we won the first case against uh, uh, the Crown, represented by Robert Hughes, Bob Hughes. Yeah. And, uh, and then the second round, it was Sir Peter Abel's, and uh, we cross-examined. It was called Bridge Oil mm. case. And uh, uh, the Crown promised to call... Sir Peter Abel's on Monday, but on the Friday before, uh, there seems to be a meeting of the managing partner of Alan, Alan and Hemsley with Mr. Rand. Mm. I'm sure it's just that coincidence. And on Monday, Monday morning, they said then Mr. Abel's won't be attending and we're going to the district. We're dropping this case and we're going to do it in the district court. So you're in the marriage with that, were you? you I was there. Were you in the magistrates' court? Is that where no, it was? No, we were in the magistrates' court mm. and we're supposed to go on a Monday, but then they ex officioed it and took it up to the Supreme Court. Wow. And that meant that uh, we couldn't get it, uh, Sir Peter. But we had a good job with his front man called Bella Chiday. Mm. We were cross examining him for a week or so. Then we had a break. And in the meantime, he went up to the Northern Territory to, for his 50 acres of grass. Yeah which was astonishing. And then he came back and explained how he had so much grass. Yeah. And uh, that didn't help his credibility. Mate, you are prolific, mate. You've, you've been involved in producing some good movies, mate. I, I, I didn't realise how in-depth the, the production... Yeah, went. no, I was very lucky. Yeah. Um, I came, When I was doing law, I didn't like it until, well, well, you know, seven years in. I was actually looking at a transcript... Mm. And I said, my God, that's very good, that read. And it was my own transcript. Mm. And I was lucky enough to have a, a talent for cross-examination. Yeah. Uh, I, like uh, Mr Costello once was yeah. pulled up by a judge. He, uh, the judge said, Mr Costello, 
the idea of cross-examination is not to examine cr crossly, because <laughs> uh, because uh, Pat was a very, very severe yeah. one. But uh, then I uh, I always wanted to make movies, mm. uh, you know, growing up and writing. I was very interested in uh, sort of uh, writers who, you know, ended up shooting themselves, dying mm. of excess okay. like, and other things. Or chopping you know, their ears off. Hemingway, <laughs> Fitzgerald, anyone that didn't shoot their mm. head off was not a good writer. I mean, I was friends with Hunter Thompson and he followed Hemingway with, you know, shooting his head off, but mm. he gave himself Contrast a couple Thompson, of years. Yeah. But uh, I, what I meant was that I loved uh, that sort of romantic... The, drama, the drama of it, the suffering. There's a certain oh, sort terribly of... terribly suffering. And yeah. I was a, a drunk. Uh, I had Irish stock in me. So let's talk a little bit about that, Charlie. Let's talk about the drinking uh, and, and the excess of it. Is that it comes from the profession? Yeah, but I only drank to excess, never further. <laughs> I knew my limit, and I, but I, I I come from a long line of alcoholics. In fact, on my mother's line, there was they were all uh, so there was about a hundred years of al Irish alcoholics, and my Genetic. father was a hundred years of publican. So it was a marriage made in heaven, <laughs> although it ended up in a bit of hell. But yeah. it was uh, no, I was had a lot, I was alcoholic. I didn't know it. Yeah. Until uh, actually, um, I was drinking a lot, but I was having dinner with Barry Humphreys and his wife. Yeah, and he's in AA, Barry. He, I, he got me in. So that I, when I was having dinner one time, I had five Sam Bookers before dinner, you know, with those flaming coffee beans in mm. it. And I often woke up with coffee beans fused to my top and bottom lips. Yeah. And I called it Sam Booker lips. <laughs> but he said, he took me aside and said, you may have an issue. And took me to AA, and uh, I loved AA and because program. it was a good excuse to tell, do stand-up and tell jokes. Well, when you share, the, the good ones can do that. Oh, no, I loved uh, sharing, but it was a bit like me going to psychiatrists. I paid them so I could tell them lies. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, no, I, I sobered up. But, but Barry got yeah, – I'm name-dropping. Yeah. Barry got me sober. I love the way there's an anonymity in, in yeah, AA. Everyone because, knows Barry's there. Yeah, so there's Barry H. And uh, then I got a tape from AA, you know, and it had Sir Anthony H, yeah. which everyone said, well, I mean, Sir Anthony Hopkins. No, no, couldn't no, be. Uh, but it sounded like it. He's, he's, he loves it. He, he, he no, no, there's it. some zealots and it's fabulous. Yeah. There's role models for... You know, anyone who's got drug or drinking yeah. problems, and even in my time, Russell, the when I went to AA, it was just, you know, old and And everyone's got a nickname. Yeah, yeah like Manly uh, Broken Bill. Hill Bob. Yeah, Broken, Broken Hill, Hill Bob. Yeah. Uh, you know, Maxville, you yeah. know, Harry. And that's, everyone's going to, I love the program. I've no, been, I've I been. love the program, but when I first went, it was all Anzacs, and then uh, cocaine came in, and then there was 20-year-old girls, so I took to it like, a, you know, <laughs> duck to water. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> oh, just a common trait I've noticed <clears throat> Uh, there's a common theme, like Chris Neist is a. He wrote one of my favourite movies, Getting Square. Um, I know Getting Square was produced by one of my best mates. Um, oh, that was fat. David Wenham played David, himself. How, how did David Wenham go? Like, wasn't that of John Spatieri, the junkie, and that? He, he was um, David no, Wenham. No, he, was I just fantastic. thought he, he lived with that guy for ten years. Or he, that was just an amazing performance. But then you talk Sasha Baron Cohen, who's another lawyer. He's a, he's a, he's a genius. 
And he was on, on the, what do you think that, do you think? Oh, because that? it's performance. You see, um, I, I didn't do law for performance, but then when I was a barrister, it, it's, you know, it's fed that performance part. Not that I knew I was performing, mm. but I wanted to be a stand-up comic in my 20s. And Steve I became Isaac. Well, I became, yes, exactly. But he went on seriously. I never had the guts. Mm. But later in life, I yeah, realised it was stand-up comedy in mobes. Yeah, yeah. And you, had, you wrote your own lines, you performed... But it's and all tongue in cheek. In like you, I, 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 the good ones, like even Higo Mark Higgins, he he can be a little bit tongue in cheek. He's a very very good lawyer. He's a very good lawyer, but he's half the size of a good lawyer. <laughs> a shout out With to Higo. He's very funny because he's got a diamond earring, right? But mm. certain juries he has to take it off. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, they think he's gay. <laughs> He goes definitely not. He's gay. very nice. He guy. Spent, very spent, I spent the weekend at my house. Here you go. He's definitely not gay. He's got a beautiful. Oh really? Would you end up together? <laughs> no, 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 he's got a knife. That's a good yeah, defence. Yeah. It's a partner. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh no, no, he's not gay. He's got a. <laughs> he's married. No. <laughs> he's definitely not gay. No, he's good. He's and good. What was your question? Well, my question was, um, where was I going? That's a good, that's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. Pausing for time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what was your question? Oh, answer. What was your question? Oh, you yeah. got me bamboozled, me mate. Yeah, I'll, I did I'll that in court. I take the. Could fifth. you repeat that, uh, <laughs> prosecutor? <laughs> oh, I remember. I'll tell you, I had um, I, I, I was, I, I ran my own committal hearing one time, up in Darwin, and I had a. You had a fool for a client. Yeah, I had a fool for a client, and um. And um, I had this copper in the box, and I just really, I knew I was fucking gone. And I said to the copper, what's the definition of the word rock spider? And, the, and, and, and he's looking at me, wanting, and the judge allowed it. And he said, it's a person that has sex with kids. I said, well, I put it to you, you're a rock spider. The prosecutor fell really? out of his chair. He fell out backwards, the chair, and he goes, I, I, in his head, his name was Colin Roundtree, I remember, his head was red out. Well, he, what, what was he in, juvenile crime? <laughs> Horses for course. <laughs> That's anyway. a, I don't know the relevance of that question, but oh. I can see where you're heading. Oh, no, I, was just I can see where you're heading. All right, so well, let's let's talk about a few of the movies. There, your Blood Oath. Yep. The but, Howling. The Howling Three. That was the that was a great uh, movie. Uh, it was. It's called a cult movie now. That is when it wasn't very successful, and you know, uh, then some rat bags. Founded in uh, you know in a drug haze on a beanbag, they uh, took to it twenty years later, still paying royalties. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a very relevant story of a tribe of werewolves here in Australia who raised their young in pouches. Mm. And Nicole Kidman desperately wanted to do it, but my friend, the director Philippe Mora, uh, cast someone with bigger breasts there and. You go. Uh, what a shame. It could have been, you know, fantastic. But Barry Otto was in it mm. and it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, I called it womb with a view because of the baby in the uh, pouch, but it had a very interesting scene. It had to have a mouse. Where do you get so abstract to write something like that from? Because it's on, based on real life because <laughs> no one really knows about the werewolf uh, mm. uh, people in Australia, but... We had to get a, a, a sort of baby werewolf from the birth canal into the into the pouch. Okay. And so we had a rat, and because you've got a lot of lights, 
um, the first rat died mm. en route, as, as, mm. as you would put en it. Route. So we got a, a, a stunt rat, another rat, because you always have a couple of rats. And, uh, but we get, in those days, I don't think everyone in the movies had that, but someone had speed, so we injected it with a little speed. My God, that werewolf went straight from the canal <laughs> into the pouch. And you, if you see the movie, you mm. will still see it. It was a closed set, of course. <laughs> all right, let's well, move on. Well, this is all on law. You, wanted, you asked me about the most interesting cases. Yeah, that was in law. Man, I want to go to Rake. Like, Rake is just synonymous. Everyone knows it's you. As soon as they watch Rake, they go, that's Charlie Walsh. No, but I'm much taller and better looking. <laughs> But everyone knows. We're from the same town, Richard and I. Yeah. So the Roxburghs were on the Rabbit Protection Board and, and he was an accountant. And his father, Richard... So did you grow up with him, Richard Roxburgh? No, no, I, I knew the family and yeah. we kept the way Richard Roxburgh played Charlie in the series Rake about a rogue yeah. lawyer. Would you, how would you describe Rake? That's I, interesting. I, I'd say very good looking, eloquent... <laughs> Uh, well endowed, <laughs> gift of the tongue, uh, that sort of thing. Felicia. Felicia. Oh, well, that's a mouthful. But, uh, I, no, Rake was uh, based very much on, uh, you know, alleged ways I acted. Yeah, you but cannot deny or confirm. Now, I was a vase in which Richard arranged the flowers. <laughs> But it was I've fun. Got... It was great fun. Richard and I were living in Los Angeles at the time. Yeah. And I really didn't know. I knew him from Albury. Yeah. And I, uh, and his father, who served five years in Changi, wow. that, those Australians went to Singapore and didn't fire a gun. Mm. And Richard's father went with his best mate, Jim Murray, mm. from Albury into Singapore, never fired a bullet and stayed there in Changi for four years and then mm. came back straight to my grandmother's you hotel. You would have been fucking traumatised as shit. Oh, they were traumatised. That's why they had to drink yeah, at yeah. my grandmother's hotel. Yeah. And they went every day and Richard didn't know that his father was in Changi. Mm. That's a, he you kept know, it to him, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the, those generations didn't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but sure. now these guys from Afghanistan never shut up. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel very sorry and I'm very much yeah. against this tirade of abuse against ex-SAS guys. Yeah. I mean, imagine if they charged guys from the Kokoda Trail, you know, yeah. for un you know, not shooting them in the head quickly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, okay. I don't... I it's really divisive, isn't it? You've got... People have all got these opinions on it. They've never been in that well, situation. Well, they've never fired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kokoda Trail was bad, but Afghanistan was just... Ridiculous. Yeah. They had ch young children holding IEDs. They had dead dogs with IEDs. Yeah. Villagers that had turned a gun on you. No one knows how bad it is. Yeah, for sure. And they all come back shocked. Yeah. But these days, <laughs> apparently the the the, uh, the woke uh, air force has got uh, therapists with the flyers when they go over the Imagine. Chinese sea, mm. and because they, you know, if they go over and they see a Chinese jet, they have a nervous breakdown, and they have a therapist sitting mm. with them in the cockpit. But they don't treat the soldiers from Afghanistan, and uh, you know, I can't plead not guilty on this because when. I was, you know, I marched in both moratoriums in the 
60s, early mm. 70s. And, I, I, you know, I, I, sus- I thought I'd get a pension, you know, mm. for marching in the monitorium. Mm. But I, I spat at the... Uh, and many did. Soldiers and the troops are, coming back, I just embarrassed about it. Mm. So why did I say it? I should have kept it to myself. But anyway. Yeah. But, but <laughs> these days I'm very sympathetic with those guys. But looking back to Roxburgh's father, they didn't ever talk about it. Yeah. Was that thing too? I looked at. I've done some studying on the bashings uh, in prison, the the, the the Grafton prison in the eighties and seventies. And, and I did that case. Yeah, there Nagel. Was, Were you yeah, in Nagel? Yes. Yeah. Nagel, the Nagel Royal Commission was nineteen eighty two in the yeah. uh, in the. He was the another Orby man. Yeah. He grew up in Orby. Well, they, That's and, I always got good judgments. But what I did with that, what I sort of my tracking down in my little investigation into the bashing, because I wanted to know why these men felt the need to bash the shit out of these prisons. And it either it turns out they're either World War Two veterans yep. or the children of World War Two veterans. Yeah. So they'd been exposed to a lot of trauma and they and they were basically carrying the trauma onto oh, other people. Absolutely. And uh, there's never much of a difference between the, the classes that become wardens and the classes that become criminal. It's yeah. a very thin line. But I put it down to the the English became wardens and the Irish became criminals. Yeah. But the necessity for violence came very much out of that traumatic period. Uh, and in Grafton it was worse than uh, the Americans treated the Taliban in Baghdad. Yeah. But see, and then that had come that correlation, you know, when they started to come across that correlation between these people that had been in the Grafton, Nettie Smith, Billy Mondays, Archie McCafferty, that went on to commit some atrocious crimes Heroes. of violence because yeah. of the desensitisation, the underlying issue of the trauma that, that had been afflict, inflicted upon them and the violence that had been inflicted on, on it them. It was a bit like that at Wavering. Yeah, I can't <laughs> Fair enough. Let's get back to Rake because Rake is such an interesting polarising character and people loved him. I mean, you know, I was one of the first people in prison to say, you know, that's Charlie Waters. Oh, Waterstone. it goes back that far, does yeah, it? Well, <laughs> was it a black and white? Uh, no, it wasn't black and white. I mean, I was last in prison in 2017. But I can remember, I can recall one morning I was living in a certain block of units and I'd been out for a run and I could hear this, hold the lift! And you walk in the lift and you basically slid down I don't know, you've actually been at the bakery there before because, yeah. you know, you'd been eating a fucking jam donut and there was a bit of white yeah. stuff on your Luxury. lip. Luxury. Yeah. And you said, it's been a big night. Like, like Rake, it's been a big night, son. And I was just fucking laughing at you and I've jumped out and you were just... But that night, you were on the news out front of the Supreme Court and you just got, you just got a victory, you just got a win up and that like that. Right, so in real life, it was Rake was on and I was coming out of... Yeah, and I just... And I, I was living with this girl. I was a nanny. In I was actually, prison? No, I was, no, this was outside. I was living on Elizabeth Street where Greg Gould's got his, biz, his, oh, yes. his chambers, yeah. right? And you were doing something. I don't know what. You were mostly going to visit a lady friend or something like that. Unlikely. No. They come to me. <laughs> but anyway, and I just went, and here you are. You were in a state at that time at 6 o'clock in the morning. Here you are at 5 o'clock in the afternoon when the jury's come back out. And I just said, that is genius. And you're known for it. Like other lawyers, I've spoke to a couple of lawyers recently about you and they said, that guy is, is, is a genius. You know what I mean? Could you name that guy? <laughs> <laughs> need a character reference. Yes, I know. I, I need all the references I can get. But that, and there's that lovable rogue reputation that you have. People love you, Charlie. People de- desert love that roguish 
you know, this Aussie no, character? I, yeah, I, well, I, I didn't deliberately pursue that, but it, uh, it happened out of, uh, you know, just uh, addiction to drugs and alcohol and to sex and uh, womanising. So it just... All the traits that just, people look I for. I don't know. It, uh, <laughs> when I gave up drinks and drugs, I made a you know, pledge to myself I'd stick to sex, but... Who knew that sex was addictive? <laughs> Next thing, I'm with eight girls, you know, and you can't afford it. There's that documentary, and that's all. That's all. It's like that older version of, like you often people refer you as the older version of Michael Hutchins. Yes, uh, Jack Marks, a very very good journalist, said I looked like Michael Hutchins. He wrote this, mm. Michael Hutchins. If he kept on drinking and drugging, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I was flattered. Uh, but unfortunately, Kylie didn't play a part in my oh, life. I met well. her, but uh, I was looking at a documentary that you, you know, that, that that shorter that documentary. Is it has it been released? No, well, that's a trailer. And uh, my God, that caused a bit of trouble in the family and uh, in, at the bar council. They'd never seen they used barrister, as a reference point. A bar- barrister with six nudes. Uh, at night, I might point out. So there was nothing to do with nothing the court. court. I don't know who those people Was were. that Exhibit A? In the... I don't know. Who, yeah, it was <laughs> Exhibit I don't know who those girls were. <laughs> no, good looking. No, no, I think it was play. Okay. We were doing O Calcutta, mm. which uh, was written by a very famous writer and it was nude. Yeah. And it saved on costumes. <laughs> but we were recreating it. We often did that at home. Yeah. Well, you know, this, like the character... When you sit back, do you have you watched all the Rake series? Yeah, oh, it's the only way I can get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did. I watched the uh, religion... Uh, you know, the first couple of seasons I was very... Uh, nervous. I watched it with uh, Sam Neill, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was a fantastic actor, and Heather Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. And it was he was a prosecutor, wasn't he, Sam? A doctor okay. who unfortunately left a videotape of uh, himself, uh, his wife and a dog <laughs> making love. <laughs> and it's based on real life. And I did a case in Tasmania. <laughs> and uh, Sam played the doctor and Heather Mitchell played the wife. And he was a Rockweiler. They're very good lovers. <laughs> very good lovers. And uh, Richard uh, put his heart and soul in them yeah. because he told the jury that, you know, Australians have always been rooting for the underdog <laughs> and he got him off. But it was a basically, it was actually not a word change from what happened. You know, so it was that, actually a transcript, was it? Yeah, virtually because the doctor, I can't men- mention his name, no, Dr no. Quill. Dr Longfinger. Uh, but he and his wife would in, uh, video their their attempts on a beanbag. She was on a beanbag and Dr Quill, they were all naked except Dr Quill left his socks on. (laughs) But it was beautifully shot and he left it in the boot of his car. Some kids stole it and it ended up at the police station. So he told me, he said, I said, this doesn't look good. And he said, "Uh, that's not me. But... (laughs) I, I showed him, and it was a dead ringer. So he said, oh, <laughs> Charles, he said, Charles, he said, no, we shot that in Canada, and it's not an event in Australia. And the police called the landlady who said, that's my couch, they're my curtains, and that's Hobart out the window. <laughs> so we didn't do that defence. And so the third defence was that doctor deals with, and it was said in Tasmania, uh, with patients who have animal issues, and this was part of the therapy. So we went with that. 
<laughs> and had, what was it? How'd you go? Uh, good. He's got acquitted, but uh, he went down for marijuana possession. He had a couple of joints in the house, as you oh. do to placate the dog. <laughs> because he, he, he did, uh, unfortunately, the police, you know, saw the video with uh, Zeus, but then they executed a search warrant and there were whole piles of photographs and they got in all the local girls who appeared in the photographs, and some of them had scratch marks, the photograph, on their back. From Zeus? From Zeus. And so doctor... My dog's name is Zeus. doctor used so. the socks, put yeah. some socks on yeah. Zeus, and that was a terrific idea. Yeah. And uh, a doctor told some of the girls that he was photographing them yeah. for pe- Pet House. Pet House? <laughs> pet House. Not Pent House. No, okay. he was from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Now, no, that was based, that was a very funny, because yeah. Sam was, had the, at that stage, he was the Mr. Meat for the Meat Corporation. Yeah. He was on the advert, and he was terrified that he'd get dropped. But I said, Sam, you could still do pal. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ones where you're in Parramatta Jail and you're in a cell. That was genius. I had nothing to do with that. That was yeah. That was very funny, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Very funny. He starts coming across his old, old clients and, man I, I, man, I can't get enough of the series. Right? No, Can that I, was terrific. And I want to do uh, another series because it was the best, um, it's the best-selling drama out of Australia mm. and I'm still looking for the royalties under rocks. Hey, can I tell you something? I've done some the other day. I've I got some stats on your Australian story and mine. Oh, yeah. I have done, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, because I didn't try. <laughs> I didn't try. No, I wanted to look really boring. You know, I didn't it's a great to... show, though. I loved your Australian. You know what? You can't get it. You can't get it. No, I've got 50 copies. All right, I don't want one. Yeah. All right, can I get one? Well, can't you get it? No, you can't. You can't. Well, that's because uh, you... I'm politically incorrect now. <laughs> Tell us what you... And also, you're a really accomplished writer, Charlie. You've uh, How many bestsellers have you written? Uh, two bestsellers, but I was lucky. In the... Yeah, I was very lucky. I... I was always talking about writing a novel, so I've got four uh, removal sheds, you know, storage sheds full mm. of coasters that I wrote on, mm. and I always wrote but never published. Mm. And uh, luckily enough, I, I finally did a book at 40, and, and uh, I, you know, without flattering myself, but I am, uh, I was a natural writer, so I wrote my first book, and it was like just standing upside down and all the pennies dropped out of your pocket mm. like words. And I was very lucky. To How do you th- Tell me that. I love this creative flow that you pick up on. And it's like a, I don't know, it's like having a line of coke, isn't it? It's like- oh, no, very much. And it's a gift. I don't yeah. like, yeah. I've been flattering myself. It's cross-examination and writing were what God gave me, but not the athletic gene. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I would have actually swapped it. Yeah. Um, what have you? Yeah, well, these days, you know, yeah, yeah. you don't get groupies in law. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. well, you, you when Ray came out of it. Okay, you would have been doing quite well. But that creative flow, I've got certain places in the line of work I do where I go. Time. No, I don't. <laughs> Bank robberies. Hey, well, you were in the flow early. Yeah. Yeah, I was in and from a young age, I guess, you know, and, and we needed rock stars like you and... I had a saviour back in them days, a bloke by the name of Peter Zara, who became a district Oh, yeah, a loveliest guy in the world. Yeah. And he oh, was I like loved him. He a public was... defender, great guy. Terrific, terrific. And he just guy. took, he always let me know that he was around and he became a district I, I court I did judge. a jury trial in front of him where um, 
my client was accused of setting his girlfriend on fire, well, you know, in those days of what, pretty mm. rare. So I sang uh, Billy Joel's song, We Put Out the Fire, <laughs> uh, to the jury <laughs> in, in the final address. Yeah. And it was, went down a treat when we got off <laughs> because we, you know, she loved meth, uh, you know, to drink. <laughs> I am. Um, I remember when I went out in front of Judge Slipper Saunders up at Penrith. Oh, it was shocking. Oh, can I tell you a funny story, right? So I go on the court <coughs> and we go on the court and wait for him to come in, but he'd been down sleeping in the... Hence, he, hence Slipper. Yeah, the Slipper, and he, and, he, and he come up and he licked his lips. And I went in the days of sentencing indications. And I, oh, they, they were terrific. And they put, he put a de- the deal was to me, they offered me 18 years with a non-parole period of 12 years on a sentencing indication. And he come and he's licking his lips and he's scared the shit out of He's going, um, has the accused, uh, mm. he's been, I believe a deal's been put to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And yeah. he said, no. He loved, he was a lip, you know, lip reader, but he kept his tongue on it. <laughs> anyway, and I just went, fuck, I sacked my barrister. I said, nah, and the barrister's telling me to take it. I said, nah, nah, nah. And then I got a hold of Peter, and Peter just showed me a little game plan and got me away oh, from I know. Him. He was terrific uh, as a lawyer with the DP, De- you know, the public defender, yeah. and as a judge. Why wouldn't he, tell me this, why wouldn't have he was a very good barrister. Why wouldn't have he went into private practice? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big boy. And <laughs> also, thank God he didn't, because yeah. we need a bit of heart on the bench. Yeah. He, there, you know, there's not enough heart, you know, uh, there's a lot of, not much head then, but there's a bit of head on the bench. But mm. uh, uh, Peter brought academic excellence, but he also brought a little discretion mm. and he saw, you know, the other side of the tapestry. Yeah. He... Was an interesting guy. When he was a, a legal aid lawyer, he used to cook a barbecue for the boys trapped in the cells out of Blacktown on a Saturday. Did he eat it all? Yeah, long no, he was terrific. Good. He, he just was a giver. If you were in, like, well, let's say you you are in trouble, but if you were, well, I'm not really in no, trouble. No, but if you were, if you were, I'm politically crime, incorrect. In polit- you're definitely politically yeah, but incorrect. I put that down to I'm bipolar too. Yeah. And I would cop that. That's a good defence. No, it's not a defence. There's no excuse for, you know, being mad. <laughs> it's no excuse for being, you know, mad under Section 14 of the Mental Health Act. But if, like, if you're in trouble, what lawyer would you have in this country, like Barrister in particular? Oh, Brett Walker. One T. Brett Walker, 25 grand a day. I'd certainly... Yeah, he's, the Catholics write, love him. I'd write an IOU doing. Yeah. No, he's, he's first class. As an academic yeah. lawyer, uh, uh, I've got uh, Phil Strickland, who I gave his yeah. first trial to. And mm. There's a lot of good ones out there, but... Mm. Uh, Richter? Did you write f- Richter? Oh, fantastic guy. Robert Richter? Really. He did uh, Cardinal Pell, and it broke his heart because... Mm. Uh, he did first. I read every word of that transcript because mm. I wrote an article. You know, if you're writing an article on Cardinal Pell, mm. I, I wrote an article about before the High Court for Penthouse, which mm. is a natural forum for Cardinal mm. Pell. And <laughs> I, I wrote the, uh, I wrote the uh, a story for Penthouse about mm. the Victorian Court who found him guilty. Mm. You know, confirmed he's guilty. Uh, ridiculous, mm. and, uh, and I'm not saying anything about Pelle. I always found him very nice and charming, and especially out swimming. <laughs> but he uh, was a, undoubtedly a bad decision, mm. and Victor did that trial, and it was every witness was on 
TV. So mm. it was ridiculous. And, mm. and so how can you make a judgment about credibility mm. if every witness is from the first trial, this was the second mm. trial, and every witness's evidence in the first trial was taped and the whole second trial mm. <laughs> was just tape recording. It's like watching Days of Our Lives. I've, for the life of me, never understood, like, why they never went after Pell for the same charges they'd gone after Brian Houston. It would have been a whole different story. Well, Pell couldn't sing. Mm. <laughs> but but uh, Cardinal Pell, to my way of thinking, was an absolute disgrace because at lap that he the was Melbourne convicted. Response. It's Melbourne. They were very anti-Catholic. Uh, mm. Heaven knows why, because uh, they, all those priests went to jail. But there was a. It's in the Victorian police. Mm. Uh, this, you know, uh, public dog sitting on mm. logs eating mount, you know, mm. out of frogs. But he wrote the Melbourne Response, and the Melbourne Response was a blueprint how to cover it up for pedophiles and everything. Like that, that was, oh, in the, yeah, but, mm. but that, everyone did it mm. in those days. They, you know, all the brothers and priests uh, were moved. In fact, mm. I did a lot of work for the church, mm. being a Catholic, I cast in. And uh, we had some Marvis brothers. And if they went, uh, you know, uh, pear-shaped, mm. they were sent to Boston. Wow. Uh, and all these uh, Maoist brothers were, you know, three or four hundred of them from all over the world with their brown robes in, mm. in Boston next to a school. Yeah, crazy. Which was, yeah, and Boston okay. was a nest of, uh, what, what was your term, rock spiders? Yeah, rock spiders. Can't get loud on a rock spider. And rocks and, and, and but that was moving around. That was not just Melbourne. It was the order of the day everywhere. Yeah, and we talk about Boston. Some of the best bank robbers in the world come out of Boston. Oh, and some of the best actors. Yeah, you know, great. Hey, listen, what's what's next for Charles Water Street? Tell me. Well, I'm on a sabbatical at the moment. Sabbatical. Uh, yes, I'm not practicing, but <laughs> it's. Uh, it's uh, I, I, Do you expect to get? Reinstated? I was not out. You know, I'm, although I was probably out. Hmm. You know, I was legged before stump. Um, no, I had uh, I I sort of went bankrupt because sort of went bankrupt. Or yeah, went sort bankrupt? of thing. I told my uh, accountant bookkeepers, hmm. you know, to declare everything hmm. because I was paranoid because the bar council were breathing down hmm. my neck, and so I declared everything. But they were amateurs and didn't give any d deductions. <laughs> so I owed about a hundred thousand at the tax bar, and I had hmm. no other creditors mm. because no one will lend me any money but uh it was about a hundred thousand which barristers traditionally pay the next year mm. but i i got into trouble for you know slips of the tongue mm. and uh there was an unfortunate a atmosphere against me mm. and on the day the tax department took me to court uh, my lawyer didn't turn up i had pneumonia and i had a hundred percent blockage in my heart mm. so i I couldn't get anyone to defend me at short notice. I didn't mm. anticipate that I'd have 100% plaque in my heart. And uh, I sent an email to the judge. So the tax department went, you know, without any opposition. Mm. And it was 100,000 and became 400,000 with interest. Wow, compounding. Compounding. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have 400,000 at that stage. So you can't practice as a barrister if you're bankrupt? No, you could. You, mm. could, you can mm. if you can prove that uh, despite that bankruptcy, you're a terrific guy. Okay. But there was a lot of prejudice around at that time. I think, <clears throat> I think someone like you, like you and Dr Charlie Teo have suffered the same fate. Well, he's a, a short brown poppy. 
and I'm a tall, dark-haired poppy. But, you know, very much. We were going to do stand-up together, speaking mm. circuit. He's going to do the... I love him. You know, I good do. Guy, he's man. fantastic. I never let him operate on me. But he's fantastic. <laughs> no, he is. He's, a bit, he's one of Australia's heroes. Yeah. And he, he was climbing Mount Everest mm. and... Uh, Fabulous things like that. And he's done so much uh, for Australia. And these conservative elitism, power-hungry bureaucrats. Um, Old no boys offense, club. No offence taken. Mm-hmm. Um, but they get on his back. And je- there's a lot of jealousy. Yeah. And, uh, and it's awful because he's building a foundation for children out mm. of Bankstown. And there's v- the worst part of Australian character is that tall poppy syndrome. Mm. In, in America, you make some money or do something, you get patted on the back. Here, you get patted on the back, but it's got a knife in, in it. it. Yeah, 100%. And it's very bad because that's why everyone lives, leaves Australia. Because if you're a success here, you're you know you're incredibly up yourself. Yeah, I've, I've had I've had some, you know, Mark Burris, I've Jeff Fennick, I've even you know Mick Gatto, you know, lovely guy, man, and that you know. Now all leaders of their trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Charlie, Order Street, thanks for being on the stick up. It's been like I just want to I want to just say something. My <clears throat> free people, I want to want yourself. I wanted Charlie Tell, I wanted Ian Roberts. And um, it was funny, the day I was walking, I was walking up uh, through the cross and here you are having breakfast. No, I, I usually seen, am for my night out. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen uh, you there. And uh, I have you got Ian Roberts on? I had him. Well, yeah. I met him uh, oh, 30 metres up the road from when I met you that day on a Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. He was well, having you, breakfast we, with his boy. We hang around there <laughs> <laughs> together. <laughs> Forming a scrum, you know. <laughs> and you were playing lock. Yeah, no, I was breakaway. Uh, but he's a terrific player. Top guy, player. top guy. Uh, shout out to Ian Roberts. Shout out to everyone. Look, we none mentioned. of the footballers are coming out now, <laughs> except those in second row. <laughs> the hooker. Yeah, the hooker's a bloody. <laughs> you know, he can, he's got good feet. It's dead set been a pleasure having you, Charlie. I no, really thank you, man. Russell. Thank no, honestly, it's very good. I wish we'd talked about law a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And my second, cases. Yeah, well, second time will come around. Well, hopefully, because I only lost two in my 40-year career. Mate, mate, and it was always that guy, and so many people have said to me when I was saying it, if you know, I was ever in trouble, Charlie would have been the man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, uh, the Mark Council lawyers. don't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to go back. Yeah. Um, I'm having a sabbatical, and I've always craved time for the creative life. But it's harder than you think, I, because when I left... When the, I caught up with you the other day, mate, you were in your element. I looked. I, I was actually meant to meet you in a cafe, and you weren't there. You were untimely late, and then... Um, That's a lifelong pattern. Yeah. So I jumped in an Uber, and I jumped up, and I drove up the road. I was going back to my place, and here you are in another cafe with your head down, smiling to yourself on why you're riding. You know, I mean, you look like you're in your element. You're just in your flow. I love seeing people in their flow. Yeah, no, I'm lucky to... You know, if if I sit down to write, I'm I'm fine. But mm. It's getting to sit down. You've got to have the discipline to write. I love writing in, you know, in uh, cafes and other places. Mm. And in fact, I'm writing now with the producers of a documentary because I can't sit mm. in a lonely house. Mm. And especially as I live at Bondi, if I write in cafes at Bondi, my neck gets hurt. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I get it. Having a good old perv. 
Oh, I wouldn't say that. I was just, it's just you've got to bend down, to, you know, for your lost coins. <laughs> Charlie, it's been a pleasure having no, you. No, that's all. I've really enjoyed it. But let's talk about law next time. I will definitely will be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. My, my Thanks, Charlie. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.